Good afternoon, everyone. I come to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, I will be continuing on this journey of this messianic expectation that is meant to show us the hope that is connected with Jesus being the Messiah, the Christ. And the first part, I, I showed the general meaning of the word Messiah or the anointing, which is when a person is anointing, they're to set aside for a role or a purpose that God have for that individual. And we looked at four roles, four offices that we see people are called for. And that was first the high priest role, then the role of a judge, then prophet, then king. Not in this order, but those default four offices that are referred to in this messianic expectation. Then we also seen that it's two ways that a person can be anointed. If a person is anointed by with the oil, the Holy Spirit come on the individual later, or the Holy Spirit anoint that person to pour upon that individual for the, the power for the fulfill that role that God called that person to do. And they can do that without the oil. So then last podcast on the part two in the high priest, we start talking about the, the, the role of a high priest. And one of the major roles that I would like to magnify this podcast, even though it's many roles that uh, high priests play, is the role of atonement, on atonement, the day of atonement. And it is in Leviticus chapter 16. And you can read that whole chapter and it will tell you about this day of an atonement. And that role is that the high priest enter into this most holy, which I explained in this temple or tabernacle or tent that have two parts. And it is the, the two parts are separated by what well, is a veil. And Moses created this off the pattern that God gave him. So he wasn't just doing some anything, but God gave him a pattern that he should go by. And Moses went by that pattern. But it, the high priest was the only one that can enter into the most holy place, which is the second part of the temple. You pass through the first part, you go, you enter, and then it's the first part. You see a veil that separates the first and the second. The first called the holy place. The second calls the most holy place. The most holy place is where they had this Ark of Covenant, and on the Ark of Covenant had this mercy seat, which God met the people at, where his presence was there. This was so serious that in the Jewish uh, history and tradition, they, uh, the, the high priest had to have a rope tied around his ankle or his waist when he went into the most holy place in fear that he died. So when he died, if he died or was killed in the most holy place by the presence of God, they can drag him out uh, by the rope that is tied to him. So it's a very serious thing. And when he went into the most holy place, he had to have blood. He had to have the uh, he had to have made a sacrifice for his sin because he was weak in the flesh too and sinful. And after he made a sacrifice for his sin, he had to offer sacrifice to all the people he represents, specifically the Israelite people. He would represent them before God. 
And then after that, he come out, he had another goat, and um, he put his hands on the goat. The goat transferred the sins of everybody upon the goat, sent him in the wilderness, and then let the, uh, the goat run in the wilderness. And that symbolizes the sin been taken away from the count. All these things God gave them in the law, teaching them generation after generation on something that was greater to come. Not only that, we've seen that the high priest, you just cannot be a high priest. You have to be a child of Aaron according to the law to be a priest. And that's according to the law. It is specified in the law. But then after the law have came into play, we see something, a man named David who is was anointed himself as king. And not only was he uh, uh, anointed as a king, but he also was a prophet. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and he was a man after God's own heart, which is very important. The Holy Spirit used him in writing psalms. So we have this psalm, this book of psalms that is written, and that the Holy Spirit used King David to drop prophecies in. And even though the law, David was under the law, he knew of the Aryan priesthood that a child had to be a priest after the order of Aaron, a child, uh, a child of Aaron to be a priest or a high priest. But then we go to Psalms 110 and we see the author of this psalm is King David. And then it say, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Just like in last podcast, we uh, spoke about how Jesus used this uh, scripture when he was uh, dialoguing, uh, debating in a modern terminology with other religious leaders. They were questioning him concerning things and his knowledge and understanding was superior to theirs. But then he asked them a question, a question that said, you say that the Christ is the son of David. And they say that. And they say, how did David say that the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool? How then did, if Christ, the son of David, how then did David call the Christ Lord? Then whose sons is he? That's the, basically the, the thing of it. And it's put a person in position with the knowledge we have now that yeah he the son of God his, his expression of his deity so then we we also looked at when Jesus told the, the his disciple that they should not have no other master but the their master who is the Christ he was saying that the disciples master are the Christ and then he go, we talk about John 13, 13, when Jesus said, you call me, him, Jesus, master, and Lord, and you do well because he is. So we see that Jesus was identifying himself as Christ. And in so many other passages, and then if you look throughout the um, New Testament, it's so many times that this scripture is quoted. For instance, in Matthew 22, 44, Mark 12, 36, Luke chapter 20 verse 42 43 acts chapter 2 verse 34 through 35 and so many other scriptures where this verse is quoted so but we drop down in psalms 110 verse 4 and then we see that we know that verse 1 is talking about the christ 
So then we get to verse four and we know if we keep it looking at it properly, that this also is referring to the Christ. And it say, the Lord has sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So now King David, prophet, king, quickened mind by the Holy Spirit, drop and say, not after the order of Aaron, but say after the order of Melchizedek. So this shows a lot. But I'm not going to get ahead of myself. I'm going to let the Bible explain to us in a fuller way. So, for instance, we go to, to, the, to the Hebrews. We go to Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. And let's look at Hebrews chapter 5. And there's going to be a lot of reading, but... If you have looked at the first, I mean, if you have listened to the first podcast from the Messianic Expectation and the High Priest, uh, the Office of High Priest, then this will roll and they're going to fall in place because you will understand the role of a High Priest because of what is stated in the law and what we have discussed. So in verse 5, I mean, Hebrews chapter 5, starting at verse 1. He said, for every high priest, excuse me, I don't want to start at uh, chapter 5. Let's start at Hebrews chapter 4. And let's start at verse 14. And it says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not and high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need for every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity and by reason hereof he ought as for the people so also for himself to offer sins. And no man take this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee, as he say also in another place. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard, and that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, 
called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So then he goes along and tells them that they are based, baby, they cannot understand it because they have become dull in hearing. So, and that they haven't, they babies in, in the faith and they haven't matured. So they show that this is meat in the word of God. So those who are mature, they will understand then. But later on in his letter, he get back to the same point. He start, he bring it back up and then he elaborate more upon this subject. Like we go to Hebrews chapter six, starting at verse 20. Verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enter into that within the veil. Whether the forewarner is for us, enter even Jesus, made and high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So then we continue through chapter 7. And then we he he start explaining this about Melchizedek and then who Melchizedek is and how and th- that Jesus played his role after the order of Melchizedek. So now to, come to, to, to let us know who is Melchizedek, we go to Genesis chapter 14, reading verse 18 through 20. And this is before the law, before God anointed the high priest, before any of the law, God had a man named uh, Melchizedek. And we turn our scripture to Genesis chapter 14. And this is the only time, the only storyline of Melchizedek in the scripture, in the Old Testament. And you go to Genesis chapter 14, starting at verse 18, and it reads like this. And Melchizedek, king of Salam, which is uh, the name which is talking, speaking about Jerusalem, brought forth bread and wine and he was the priest of the most high God and he blessed him and said blessed be Abram that's what Abraham named before God changed it from Abram to Abraham blessed be Abram of the most high God possessor of heaven and earth and blessed be the most high God which have delivered thine enemies into thy hand and gave him tithes of all. So then we see in this scripture that Melchizedek was a priest, according to verse 18, a priest of the Most High God. And not only was he was a priest of the Most High God, but he was a king of Salam. Or like I say, Jerusalem. So you now have the king of Jerusalem and a priest of the most high God and the scriptures going to elaborate more upon this illustration that in this comparison between Jesus and Melchizedek and how Jesus is a, 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 a high priest after the order of Melchizedek and not Aaron so when we go back to Hebrews turn our scriptures back to Hebrews chapter 7 and now we're going to like let the art of Hebrews explain this to us. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 1 say, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abram, Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. 
to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. The uh, first being by interpretation, king of righteousness. Talking about Melchizedek, his name interpreted mean king of righteousness. And after that, also king of Salam, which is king of peace. Salam means peace. So King Melchizedek name mean king of righteousness. But then he king of Salam mean king of peace. So now you have the Hebrew writers using King Melchizedek as a type of Jesus, as a shadow of who Jesus is. Verse 3 say, without father, without mother, without deceit, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abided a priest continually. Now, that's a lot of speculation on what that meant, because some people think that he never had a father, never had the mother, and all of these types of things. But I believe that in this context that it is speaking up in the scriptures. He have he just popped up in the scriptures. It don't give no, it don't speak about who his father is, it don't speak about his mother is, but King Melchizedek just popped up out of nowhere in the scripture. But this scripture is a, a, a lot of speculation going around concerning the scriptures on what it really means. But the Hebrew writer is using Melchizedek, who was a shadow of Christ, who is the ultimate fulfillment of that. For say, now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. And verily that they that are the sons of Levi who receiveth the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law, that is, of their brethren, though they come out of the lions of Abraham. But, but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Abraham blessed King Melchizedek. So that shows that uh, King Melchizedek was greater and he was using this to show that the promise of the high priest the uh, Jesus being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek is a greater high priest is a greater priesthood than that that the law brought as we continue it say and here men that die received tithes but there he received them of whom it is witness that he lived and as I may so say Levi also who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham for he was yet in alliance of his father when Melchizedek met him. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood for on it the people received the law what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. For he of whom these things are spoken pertain to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek there arise another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. 
for he testified, Thou art priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For there is verily a dishonoring of the commandment going before for the weakness and unprofitableness of thereof. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw now unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continued ever, had an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the utmost that come unto God by him, seeing he lived to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needed not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. But the word of the oath which was since the law make the son who is consecrated forevermore. And he continued to go on now of the things which we have spoken, this is the psalm. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pinched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, say God, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry. By how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. I just read a lot. But all the things that I, I read, I'm finna go back over in right now. Because there's so much hope in this. The Hebrew writer take the and compare the priests, the high priest under the Leviticus law, under the law of Moses, and show that it was a change. Because one, when David wrote this psalm, he was under the law. The law was already given unto Israel. The law was already given under the Leviticus priesthood. It was already carried out by the Levites, the Leviticus priests. But David said it was a priest that was going to arise after the order of Melchizedek, who wasn't an Israelite. So that means that he wasn't a Levite. So that means that he wasn't going to be after the order of Aaron. 
And that means that the law was going to change because the way the priesthood came was going to change. For the law say that a priest must be the priest after the order of Aaron. But God gave an oath. He gave his word and say, I have sworn that this one would not be after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. And our Lord came from the tribe of Judah. He wasn't after the order of Aaron. But guess what? It is through the tribe of Judah that make him qualified to be the king of Salam, which is the king of Jerusalem. It's because of his perfection that made him the king of righteousness, which is the name of Melchizedek. It's because he went to heaven and reconciled us between God to make him the king of peace and able to give us peace. And Jesus went into heaven and entered into the most holy place, just like the high priest on the earth went into the most holy place on earth. He went into that place in heaven. In the presence of God. Why did he do it? He did it on our behalf. He lived forever. And because he has an indestructible life. Because he raised from the dead. He's able to be a priest forever. So that means that is nobody coming after him. To make intercession for man. What does that mean to me? What is the hope for me in that? What I'm speaking about. That Jesus the son of God. Is a high priest. Well, one is that because he died for our sin and raised from the dead to present us righteousness and then went to heaven on our behalf and represented our representative in the, in the sight of God and knowing that he died for us and on our behalf and now he in the presence of God and he made intercession and plead on our behalf. Look at that. We ask people to pray for us on earth that are sinful, that we don't have no clue if they are going to get answered. But we have one in heaven that died for us, raised from the dead, perfect in heaven, the son of God, who the father loved dearly. And he's there praying and interceding on our behalf. That is great news. That is great news. What is the hope that I am saved? What Jesus raised from the dead, Jesus is in heaven. Jesus is my high priest, represent me before God. That is great news. I have hope. I have hope. I don't have to tie a string or rope unto my high priest because my high priest lives forever. He is the only begotten son of God. He's the king of the universe. He's sitting on the right-hand side of the throne of the Father. That is great hope for me. Great hope. See, what we have to connect to that is that this. Jesus died for our sins. He buried our sins. He died for that. Say it with me. Jesus died for my sins. Now, and I'll ask you to say that so you can know this. Why did he raise from the dead he didn't raise from the, from the dead for our sins because he died for that. He raised from the dead for our righteousness. He raised from the dead because he lived, we shall live. That is our assurance of eternal life. If Jesus was still dead, then we wouldn't have no life. But because he raised, we have life. 
And you know what? Now I can come to the throne of grace and receive mercy, ask for forgiveness because of who he is and know that I'll be forgiven. And then I can receive power to live in the power of his son because he is praying on for my behalf, on my behalf. Glory be to God. And because of this, I have the assurance that he lived, that he going to come back and I should live. It is so much hope. Jesus, this great high priest. And not only do we see that, because Jesus is a high priest according to Melchizedek and not according to Aaron, like the scriptures say, that means it's a change of law. That means the change in law have happened. He fulfilled it and changed it to fulfill his obligation to the oath and the word that God spoken in the oath. So what is our hope? Well, I can pray with boldness. What is my hope? I have assurance that I am saved. What is my hope? I have power to live this godly life. Why? Because Jesus lived as a high priest after the order of Melchizedek on my behalf. That's my hope in the Messiah, the Son of the Living God. Thank you.